Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have something for us for this moment in time for our church. Thank you, Lord, that you can not only speak to us about eternal things, but we thank you that these eternal things can speak to us in this moment, this very moment in our life as a church, Lord. So we ask you to come and speak to us and uh, speak to us things that are not only timely but also eternal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, what I want to share with you is a phenomenon here in Isaiah chapter 28 that is actually um, very telling for all of us and they will and it will speak to something that is more of a long-term um, thing for us as a church. In verse 9, as I said, Isaiah was speaking to the, the nation of, uh, of Judah and saying this very interesting thing. He says, Whom would he teach knowledge and to whom would he interpret the message? Those weaned from milk and those taken from the breast? The answer is, of course, no. He's basically saying, when the moment is crucial, it's critical, and what's needed is a word in season, in time. What was happening in Judah was that the people who were meant to hear from God couldn't do it. They just didn't have the experience. They didn't have the... the, the, the the closeness to God, the hearing from God, that was at a level that was needed for the critical times that they were in. Does that make sense? They could hear as babies. They could hear as babies. They could hear an infantile kind of hearing. It's kind of general things, right? General things, general impressions and things like that. But their hearing was not to the level that was needed when the Assyrians were at the gates and the Babylonians were at the gates. So what happened was that um, Isaiah basically said, your level of relationship with God is not developed. It's not developed. Because these things for critical, sharp things that are going to be needed for you, your children, for your nation, requires more. It requires something that when the crisis happens, it must not find you like a baby. Because if you're a baby, you're just not, you're not able, it's presumptuous for you to think that you can hear a word that will save your nation. And so what he's saying is this, these things that are taught have to be taught over a longer period of time. They have to be like seeds that are sown early and const constantly and consistently developed over a long period of time. So that when the crisis comes or when you really need it, you are able to deliver. Isaiah chapter 29, the next chapter, speaks about the fact that the um, the the leaders of of Israel or to Judah, they were asked to read the words of the book, and they couldn't. They couldn't open it. 
because the words were just, it just didn't open up. There was no revelation that was coming out of that. And it's the same kind of thing. I don't mean to start on a gloomy note. I mean to say that this is, this is something that we, we as Christians don't tend to think about, right? What's our long term? What are we sowing? What are our children going to be? Or what are we going to be 20 years from now? I'm definitely thinking about it because 20 years from now, I'll be six, uh, 84. Now I'm the age of 60, I'm, I'm at 64. And I can't help thinking about the Beatles song. What will happen to me? Will you take care of me when I'm 64? <laughs> now I'm already 64. It happened really fast. But I believe that God is giving us a dispensation of time so that when the, when the, when the time that, when it's, that's needed in which hearing from God is, 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 being, is happening at a, at a high enough level or a, or, a, or, a, or a precise enough level, we will be on time because the Lord is always on time. Amen? So what he's talking about is the nation of Judah and Israel being really um, delinquent in their faith following of God. They were putting it off. They didn't consider the hearing from God really important. Yeah? And so what I'd like to talk to you, to us about, is these things that God has put upon us as a church that are important as foundations, they are important seeds for us. And these seeds are not things that we can sort of, we, that we learn in a superficial manner, but they have to be woven and grown to a level in which they can be like trees. We can become oaks of righteousness, Isaiah chapter 61. Does that make sense? And yesterday, we spoke about one of those things, and it has to do with the new covenant, about our new nature in Christ. Yeah? And I'd like to talk about, about seven of these things. And I'd, I'm sure these are not all there is to it, because the things of God are all eternal. But it seems as if God is emphasizing in our moment of uh, today, in these days, uh, some things that are important, and they will always be, uh, kind of a long-term um, tree that's planted uh, in our church, in our lives, that's crucial and that's critical. Amen? So we're not talking about something that's short-term, we better do this now, but it's something that we want to plant in our, our own lives, in the lives of our children, because these things, if you give them time to grow, they will be very powerful. They're not quick, quick return things, but they are deep and they last forever. It makes sense? Many Christians experience generation loss. They are on fire for God, but somehow they can't pass it on to the next generation of Christians. Yeah? So that's why churches actually have a way of, of being full of revival. And then after a while, within a matter of a short number of years, it's, it's gone. It's, it's the fire fire is gone because it's generation loss, right? What we want is to, to know what is it that's really important to God for us 
Now, contemporary Christianity and contemporary values tell us certain things that they think are important. But from God, what is important? What's more important? There are many things that are kind of important, but what are the long-term things that God, the seeds that God wants to plant in our midst for us? Amen? So I'm going to try to go over them uh, quite quickly so that um, we, we get a, a sort of a rough idea about this, about this, okay? All right. Um, one of the things that we spoke about last night had to do with the new covenant. And we spoke about the fact that um, it is the new Adam, the second Adam, that functions in the gifts of the Spirit. We spoke about the fact that the gifts of the Spirit are things that we don't necessarily um, put as the most important thing. We say these are derivative of the life of Christ. What's important is that Christ in, is in us. He has given all things pertaining to knowledge and godliness. In First, Second Peter, says, everything that pertains to godliness has been given to us in the new covenant. That means when I die, I become a Christian, I die to myself. I don't live to try to prop up the, the first Adam. I don't try to apply spiritual things into the first Adam because the first Adam cannot experience that. It cannot. It just can't. It's, it's just diseased but into the second element. When Christ is done is that when we became Christians, we didn't just sign on the dotted line. God put his new life in us. We die to our old self and live for him. Amen? That's what we were talking about. And so because of that, we said that there is a dynamic of spiritual life that comes from the fact that Christ is in me, not just the fact that I was born with certain gifts. What happens is that a lot of Christianity... When we, when, we, when we become Christians, we don't reckon on that. What we say is, this, okay, now I'm a Christian. I want to use my gifts. I want to discover my talents and discover my gifts and dis discover all these things. But that's actually gifts that actually do exist in the first Adam. The first Adam does have gifts. It has talents. But in the second Adam, something bigger happened. The life of Jesus, the, 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 the life that could do the works that Jesus did, was planted in us. And when you function from the second Adam, the gifts that you had when, from the first Adam begin to take a whole different dimension, different, different power. Okay? And so that's really important because what happens is that most Christians are living from the talents of the first Adam rather than the life of Christ in them. I want to say this, that, there is, that more comes out of the life of Christ in us when we die to ourselves than comes from our gifts that we had in the natural. The gifts that we had in the natural is no big shakes. Everybody has them. But the life that Jesus put within us when we put aside the, 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 the first Adam, is amazing. For example, in 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, um, I'm going to just read this to you. You can turn to it if you like. Um, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we read verse 10. It says, you know, we are persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in, your, in our body. What he's saying is that we live and are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. 
So death works in us, but life in you. What he's saying is this, is that the life that comes from death to self is far greater than the life that comes from our old, our old self. You can think about it. I think that most Christians are trying to pick out the, the gifts from the old self. True? We all have gifts. Actually, the old self has gifts. They're unrealized though. They're not, they, they may be fantastic, but they're unrealized according to what God intended for them. And so I want to say that actually, we can actually experience more from that. And, and in, our, in, our, uh, in our church, one of the things that we believe is that the foundations of our spiritual life is not so much trying to find out what our gifts are. Those things are important. We need to pay attention to that because those are things that God put there. But the fact is that God's life in us is, uh, is much more powerful. We die that others may live. The new life means that we live, live not unto ourselves, but unto God. Amen? We live not, not just so that we can be self-actualized, but so, and not just to patch up the old life that has been broken, and we know it's broken, but we live not for ourselves, but for God. Okay? That's important. We live... live carrying the dying of the Lord Jesus in ourselves so that others may live. That is the life of a Christian. The Christian life is not a life so that we can have a better life than before for ourselves, but it's a life in which we give up so that others may live. We die that others may live. Yeah? So ministry is like that. So when we're talking about ministry, we're talking about dying that others may live, dying that others may live. Ministry is not meant to fulfill our this, our de desires to have significance, that's not going to do it. In fact, those who want to do ministry to, so that they can be significant will feel even more insignificant. Because when you're orientated towards that, it actually makes you feel more insecure than anything else. What we want to do is to be live, live in such a way that we die to ourselves so that others may live. Yeah? Have you found that when you do ministry sometimes, it just doesn't seem to have the effect that's eternal in people's lives. I felt when I was, you know, when the Holy Spirit moved to my college and people came to the Lord, I felt after that, everything I said was true. It's all right and all that. And, but it doesn't seem to do anything in people's lives. They will be, have a little bit of a, a, a perk up and then after that, it will just fall down. Until I realized that actually ministry is me dying so that the other person could live. I could say the same things when I've died to self. And it has a completely different effect upon people's lives than when I speak out of what I already know in, my, in terms of my own human knowledge. And so I want to say that as, as a church, we are, we are building upon this. And what do you do? What are the, what are the daily habits that, we, that we, we live with? Every day we come before God, we present ourselves before the Lord. Every day when we go through times in which we're doing ministry and we feel that we are, people are not appreciating us, 
or not recognizing us. And it's not that we are wrong, it's they are wrong. They don't, they don't recognize us. They don't re- recognize our talents. They don't recognize the, uh, the, sef- the sacrifice that we have given. They don't re- recognize the gift that we are to the, the, to the church. And I don't mean this as, 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 a, as, a, as a joke. I mean, this is, there are times in which people don't recognize, don't recognize at all. And when you, and you have that, you find there's a part in, 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 in us that rises up, the sense of being unjustly treat, treated, right? Unjustly treated, unfairly, un, un, unrecognized, and uh, devalued or unvalued, yeah? And what do you do? Because that thing is going to come up against us again and again and again and again. Now, what we try to do is to re-Christianize the idea that as Christians, we need to value each other. That is actually true. But we make that the way in which we cover or um, um, assuage any possibility of offense. So we develop a culture that will preclude any possibility of anybody not being uh, appreciated or valued and all that. I think there's good in that, actually. Honestly, I think that is good. I think naturally, as Christians, we need to be people who are thankful and grateful and grateful for one another. We need to be a lot more grateful for one another. But for the survival of the minister, for your survival and my survival, you have to know this. You are not going to be appreciated. When you enter into the darkness of the devil's injustice, you are not only not going to be appreciated, you are actually going to be slashed for that. And you will not survive if you are doing ministry because you value it. You will not survive if you actually are doing ministry so that you can be self-actualized. You are going to have to die in order that others, others live. And the only way in which you will be able to survive and I will be able to survive is to not look to them to appreciate you. Does that make sense? The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a work of death so that life can come to others. It's death that others can come life. It's not just my best life now in the, in the worldly sense. It is the life that Christ gives to us that is better. Yes, it is best, but it comes only through death. Does that make sense? And I feel that what God is doing long term for us in the church is to, is to put that in us, put the life of Christ in us and grow it because that life of Christ can withstand rejection. It can withstand the risks of all that. And you and I want to be people who grow that life of Christ, that identity in Christ and not in, not in the, the affirmation of others more and more and more until it becomes strong in us. Does that make sense? Because you and I can know this stuff, but for that seed of truth to actually grow, every day I'd have to have the daily practice of presenting myself before the Lord at the altar. And every time I feel underappreciated or unappreciated or actually scorned or maybe even rejected or, or, or maligned and all that, I need to be able to find the place that God has called me to be his person, his person, the person of God, the, the, the second Adam. The second Adam stands at the nexus between the first Adam that's craving for, for, for appreciation and the second Adam that has 
gone past that. It has died to that. Amen? So what we do is this. We do not develop a culture that, that bypasses the cross. We still need to be actually even more grateful for one another, but it doesn't come out of this desperate need to patch up each other's insecurity. That is going to be an important part. So that's just com- continuation of last, of, of last night's one. May I share with you a few, a few other things that, that God is, is, is doing? In, in planting a seed in us, what happens is that there is a, what I call a seminal time. If you look at um, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came and the church was forming. Right? Not just formed, but it was forming. That means the church is this kind of amorphous mass, but it's real, but it had not firmed up yet. It was developing. Yes? And as it was developing, there were certain moments in the church life in which they devoted each other to each other, to fellowship, to the apostles' doctrine, and to, uh, to breaking of bread. Right? Um, they devoted themselves to this. There's a certain time in, which, in the life of the church in which DNA or its character its seeds are being developed, right? And sometimes what's important is, is for the church to be devoted or together in this process. That is why we are having this, mom- this moment in this weekend. It's part of, of what God is doing. There is, we are living, I think, in a seminal moment in which God is actually putting some serious uh, substance in our church. And I can't understand it fully, but I think we are in a, in a church are in a place in which he's bringing people together and he's fitting us together. I felt that for this, this whole year, that for a moment, we're living in a moment in time in which God is actually going to be fitting each one of us together. And I want to invite you to be, be there for, for that because there is something that happens in Acts that I see is a pattern. Acts chapter 2, they all devoted themselves. Something got compacted. Something of, of the, the seed of their character of the church was found. By the time you come to Acts chapter 13, they all separated. Paul and Barnabas were sep- Barnabas and separated, and they went to their different places. Does that make sense? They went to their different places. But when they went, something had been so established in that sem- what I call a seminal moment, a moment of change, of creative something happening, a, a moment in time, a timely moment in which God was doing that. And when they went, they never separated out from the church at Antioch. Does that make sense? So we're dealing with the, uh, the fact that the nature of seeds in, in God is that way. He's planting something, and as he's planting something, there are moments in time in which like Daniel shared yesterday, uh, yesterday in Nehemiah, he calls everybody together, just come, come together because I'm doing something. I want you to be there for it. For it. Does that make sense? Woo. Now, our society in our day and age doesn't allow that 
or, or militates against that because it's all, we are, we are, our, our society is more uh, centrifugal. It's just pushing us out, pushing us out because we've got lots of things that are going on and I, and I recognize that. But sometimes what happens is that God does a sort of a formative kind of thing and I think that's what's happening in our church. And when you are part of that, you are part of the actual happenings of, that God is doing in the church that are formative, that are actually going to be very, very powerful and very, very long-term in the church. And that's why we're having this weekend. Because of that, it's, I think it's a special moment. There will come a time in which many of you will be sent out by God in different places. But when you are sent out with God, you won't have superficial seeds. You will have seeds that actually become fruitful and there will be that happening i think that this is something that is going on in the church um let me talk about some other some some seeds that are are um are characteristic of a people that god uses very strongly uh, if you turn with me to psalm 89 Psalm 89, verse 15. How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. O Lord, they walk in the light of your countenance. Yeah? In your name they rejoice all the day, and by their righteousness they are exalted. For the you are the glory of their strength, and by your favor our, our horn is exalted. In verse 15, there is a certain characteristic about this company of people that God has made a covenant with David to raise, this company of people, he says, your children will always be on the throne. They will always experience the authority of God. I'll, there will not be a break in that. And, there will be, and then he says, how blessed are these people? They know the festal shout or they know the joyful sound. And the word for that is teruach. The teruach sound is a shout. He says, how, how blessed are the people who know the teruach, the shout? And that shout is a very special kind of shout. And you see this shout in different places in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they circle around Jericho six, uh, seven times. Yeah? And then, seven, and then seven, on the seventh day, seven times. And they gave a shout. This shout came out of a few days of silence. A few days of disciplined silence. Of discipline, of obedience not knowing what God was doing, but that there's, there's a certain sort of a, 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 a percolation, a certain kind of a uh, um, of, of, of build-up, yeah? a build-up of spiritual energy, so much so that on the seventh day when they shouted, the shout was enough to destroy the whole, the whole city of, of Jericho as far as the walls are concerned. This shout is actually something that the, 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 the Scripture talks about a lot, you know? There's a there's a certain kind of build up, there's a certain kind of build up in prayer, a certain build up in our spirit, and one of the things that is important for us in um, in our in our church is to recognize the dynamic of the rising of God in in our lives. Right? So I talk about that a lot. In prayer, what we want to do is to be detecting the presence of the Holy Spirit as a light particle. 
sometimes it's just a thought. In the, in the midst of depression and midst of fear, anxiety and all that, in the midst of all that, there is a thought of hope. It is a word that you've received in your devotions. All that. And at first, that word is just a word. But when we allow that teruach to, 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 to develop by praying the Spirit, praying into that, praying until that word, which is a, it's like a seed, it grows and grows and grows. What happens is that at first you feel that word is just one thought among many negative thoughts. But as you continue to grow and as you, as you pray in the Spirit, you pray into it, what happens is this. The strength of that word begins to gain mass. It gains hardness. At first we feel our hearts are really soft, they're really weak. But as you pray in the Spirit, you pray in the, in the Lord, and I, and, and I want to say that all of us can pray in the Spirit. We can all pray, if, as long as you just let go of, your, of your, your English words and just groan to the Lord, just call out to the Lord right now. It doesn't need to be in English or in any known language, but you just call with your, your heart, your soul towards the Lord. Let it all come out, just that groan. Romans 8 says, with groanings that cannot be uttered. And then the sound of it, it doesn't matter. But when we grow, groan in the Lord, what happens is this, as we keep our minds towards, towards Him and we focus there, what happens is that something begins to grow. Now, I am very interested in every single one of us being able to detect that groan, that enlarging of the particle of truth, the Word of God. At first, You don't know whether it's even from God. At first, it's just a, it's just a scripture. When I was going through my uh, four months of, of not knowing where, what the outcome of uh, my cancer uh, um, um, diagnosis was, I would go to God every day with all my anxieties, and they, they usually come very strong in the morning. I would bring, bring my anxieties to the Lord, and the first thing I need to know is, God, what do you say? Okay. What do you say? I need to know whether what you say also is stronger than the reality of my cancer. I just need to know it. Because most of the time, words of God are just words. You know, false stuff says, what is a word? It's just a, it's air, it's a fudgeon, it's just nothing. I need to know that that word that God gives me that is contrary to the hopelessness that I am feeling, this is stronger than this. Than this, Does that make sense? The Tarok has to do with the fact that when God gives us a word, that word can grow in mass, you know. That word can grow in hardness. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. As a church, we need to develop that because God has given to us the word of God that is more powerful than all our circumstances. But it doesn't feel like it because when it comes, it's just another word among many words. You know? If you try to mentally discern is this from God or is it not from God and try to work it out and all that, you will only get more thought. Right? No matter how right your thought is, it doesn't feel that strong. We have to move up from the realm of thought 
into the realm of spirit, which has to do with letting it go and setting our hearts towards God and letting God, by faith, pour into us. And after a certain amount of time, after a certain amount of time in which you don't feel anything, don't feel anything, you get past all that, you hit the wall, you hit the wall in such a way that 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 wall seems to resist any kind of belief. Most people give up there. Most people give up there. Now you and I are being led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is going to lead us toward to the Torah, the shout. Okay? That shout is very valuable because that shout is more, more powerful. It's the shout that created the universe, right? That spoke into the universe into being. But we don't have it yet. We may have a word, but we don't have that shout yet. You may have a prophecy, you may have a word, you may have an impression, all that kind of stuff, but it's not that strong because it's not shout. If you try to, sh- to, to speak out that word against the walls of Jericho, it's not the walls of Jericho that's going to fall down. It's you that's going to fall down. Does that make sense? But there is a way in which the Holy Spirit, He puts, puts in us, aside us the seed. The seed is not meant to remain a seed, like a little thing. It, it, it is meant to grow. And when you pray in the Spirit, if you are prepared to go through the absolute feeling of it being so inane that it's nothing touching your emotions or your mind or, or, or satisfying you, if you are prepared to do that just by faith, just like the children of Israel were prepared to go around the walls of Jericho in, in what seemed like an absolutely absurd move, except for the fact that it was obedience to God's word, it will grow in mass. Now, I am interested in not just being prophetic, but that having substance, having mass, having body. Does that make sense? Now, VCF is really, we believe in hearing from God. We believe in getting a word from God. But that's not enough because it's not going to be satisfactory when you face forces that are stronger than you. Does that make sense? It's not enough to have, for us to have insight. What we need is for that insight to be converted into something really hard. Something really hard, right? Or else it's really soft. It's like mud. You throw mud against the wall. The, the mud is going to fall off, not the wall. Yeah? It's soft right now. At first, the word is soft. We hear it. And the mistake would be to, to just stay, keep it in the realm of thought and try to analyze it and all that. All this is good, but it's, that's beside the point. So as we pray in the Spirit, I find myself... I find very few people actually want to follow that. I, I find it very, very simple. I get a word. It doesn't feel that strong. I pray in the Spirit until it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. How do I know that I've, I've, I'm done praying? Because it feels stronger than anything else. And when you have that, then you have a faith that is stronger than the resistance. Amen? So this Teruach is very, really important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's 14, he says, those who pray in the Spirit, edify yourself. And I feel that these are days in which God is wanting to strengthen the church. But it doesn't come last minute. It doesn't come last minute. It doesn't come to those who are just weaned on milk. You have to develop something on a daily basis, especially when you don't feel like it. You don't feel like it, especially when you're being challenged. And that is where the seed has to be a long-term thing, a long-term investment. Amen? So that's the Torah. The second thing that I, the, the third thing that I wanted to mention is devotions. I won't 
I won't um, talk about that much because I, I don't have much time. So, so the first thing is the new covenant. The second thing has to do with the teruach of the, the prayer in which we can feel the, the sense of it growing in us too much to such an extent. Everything of our view of life can be seen through that lens. That lens makes everything that's around us look different. Does that make sense? Wallace Stevens has a, has a, has a poem called The Anecdote of a Jar. And he says, there's this wilderness all around. You put the jar in the wilderness, the whole wilderness reflects around the jar, it becomes jar, jar-shaped. What he means is this, there's such a thing as a lens. When you look at things, when we look at things through the lens of God, I know Wallace Stevens was not talking about, or thinking about that. But when we look at it through, through the lens, suddenly everything comes together. Have you seen, have you been in situations like that? Yeah? Very, very perturbed, very perturbed. It's just so much like a wilderness, so much like all over the place. That so many things that can go wrong. And then you get a word. And you develop praying in the Spirit until that word becomes strong, then you find that everything makes sense around that word. It interprets all of life. But more than that, it puts a hardness that is requisite in you to be able to face life in the world. There are many things in the world that we need an appropriate hardness inside us. I don't mean hard-heartedness, but a certain hardness in in such a way that we come to a point that as we prayed up the Torah, the shout is such that it doesn't depend upon people responding well to us. It doesn't even depend upon it. If you don't respond to me, someone or some of us may even say, that's your problem. I'm just going to do whatever God wants me to do. And your lack of response to me is not going to be too much water off my back because it's, it's, it's fine. There's an appropriate hardness, the rockness that God puts in us. Amen? Or else what's going to happen is this. If we don't have that, we can hear from God, but we don't have that. We will get all our words and we will go to war with all these soft, but they're all like throwing mud balls against the devil. We have to confirm the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we read. To confirm the Lord, testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, right? So that the, the, what God says is like confirmed in us. That's why I like hearing from you guys in the hospital and, and in, in school and, and on, on, uh, on the streets and all that about how there was a conflict between the faith of God and something else out there and the faith of God prevailed, right? Okay? The fourth thing has to do with um, intercession. I want to say this, that most Christians, they can pray, but most of their prayers are more like supplication. Supplication means asking God for things. Now, this is, supplication is really important because we, everything by prayer and supplication make a request known to God. As a child, uh, a child learns how to pray supplication, right? Supplication. The, the kind of the prayers like, God, please do this for me. Please do this for me. Please do this for me. Now, in daily prayer, what we are learning 
to do in the first 45 minutes of our prayer is to not so much focus on that, but actually allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. This is connected with the Tarot part. But we open our hearts to the Lord and we say, when we enter into prayer, we can pray in the Spirit. That means enter into the realm of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Right? Not just things that we want God to do, but flow in with what God's doing. That requires surrender to what God's, to, God's, God's wanting to do. I find that uh, one of the best exercises for me when I was going through my, 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 my period of, of uh, before the surgery was to put aside praying about my cancer. Just put it aside. And just say, Lord, you're such a good God. You want to lead me into good places. And I want to be led into where you have for me cancer or no cancer. I want to be led into that. So I want you to teach me how to pray. You lead me. And so what I try to do is this. I try to connect my heart towards a person, the person of God. Not connect my heart with the outcome that I want, but, a cut, but to, to, to connect my heart personally towards God. Amen? And as I connect my heart personally to God, I pray in the Spirit. I don't know what, what He wants me to pray. I just don't know. I, I, I don't know what I should be praying, but I got a lot of things on my heart. But I surrender them to the Lord, and I just say, Lord, lead me, lead me. And as I pray in the Spirit, what happens is that things begin to drop into my heart. Now, what is God is doing in this kind of intercession uh, beyond supplication is that God wants to put His burdens on our heart. Many Christians pray and pray a lot, but they never come to the burden of the Lord. They pray their own prayers. They never end up praying the prayers that God's wanting. If you think about the fact that prayer is uh, entering into the domain of what God is doing, the act activities of God, yeah, not just telling God things, but entering in, what God does is that He takes us, He moves us from the, from the realm of the mind, and he puts us in the realm of the Spirit where the mind is unfruitful. I love it. The Bible says the mind is unfruitful when we're praying in the Spirit. Isn't that great? We don't like our mind to be unfruitful. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit says, Let's first, make your mind unfruitful. It's okay. And when that happens, we just blind. We feel like as if you're blind. We don't know where we're going. We're just praying. And this is where I, was, I, 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 I find the struggle is always. The struggle is, is this doing anything? Right? Because the mind is unfruitful. I'm not getting any, any fruit out of, out of my mind. And as I'm doing this, I begin to find that as I'm praying, at a certain point, something will drop in my mind. And the thing that will drop will be inspiring. It will be full of hope. It will be something that I may or may not have been thinking about. But I pray until that happens. Sometimes what drops into my heart is a burden, like a, a, a negative feeling. Sometimes what I feel is like an overwhelming sense of hopelessness. And what's happening is that your spirit has touched and located the enemy. You've located the enemy. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. 
before on, you're just hitting air. You're just punching the air. But in the spirit as we pray, sometimes you may feel you're hitting something that's really heavy or, or it's pressing your buttons or it's bringing out concerns. And when that happens, I just want to say, keep your mind on God and pray through it because what God's going to do is that He's going to He's located the enemy now. He's going to break it, break it down, break it down, break it down. Amen? Most Christians don't go past that. But to be a Christian who can make an impact upon the people around them, you, you, you and I have to know that we are fighting not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Amen? The principalities and powers are not errors. They're not principles. They're not abstractions. They're actual demons. They're actual spirits. And what God, what, try, what, what these spirits try to do is, at first they try to hide. They try to hide from us. So when we are praying, we don't see them. We don't feel any, necessarily anything until God comes upon them, comes upon us, and then suddenly we can see it. We can feel it. Our senses have been transformed. Our, trans, our senses begin to sense evil or sense heaviness or sense darkness or sense discouragement. And when there's discouragement, what happens is this. Our spirit is touching the, the, the discouragement, not our emotions, but our spirit is touching the, 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 the discouragement. And this discouragement is a spiritual power. Amen? So that's, that's important because what happens is this. What we do in daily prayer is we try to come to a point where we pray until we hit that. And we feel the wall. Ah, there it is. Okay? And you pray, you hit the, hit the discouragement, and you know, ah, there it is. Ah, I can see. <laughs> got you there. I got you there. Oh, yeah, I feel discouraged. But I got you there. And then that's where continue praying the Spirit. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open unto you. I pray that for my children. I pray that for everything. Every crisis, I've never found that it doesn't work. I'm 64 years old. I've never found that it doesn't work. I don't know why people are not interested. Tell me why. I can, the, the biggest mystery is the fact that I found the most powerful thing in the world. The Torah and the incident. I found the most powerful thing. It's the thing in the world that made me from a miserable, hopeless, scared cretin to someone who's quite normal. I found the most powerful thing in the world. And it's so easy to do. You don't need a degree for it. I just pray in the spirit. That's why I pray in tongues. You know what I mean? And if you can't pray in tongues, just come. We pray for you and you will because you already have it. I found the most powerful thing in the world. I cannot get why the church doesn't want it. Doesn't want it. I don't get it. <laughs> so that's it. Intercession for us as a, as a church is not just praying prayers for our own things. The Lord will take care of us. Actually, when we get into the river, God will lead us to the things that, are, that we ourselves are concerned. He can take care of us as well. But you want to approach it not by starting with your own supplications, but starting with releasing it to God. Every day when I woke up in the morning, I would feel the demons just pressing in on me. Feeling absolute hopelessness in everything. Not just in my cancer. And I realized, okay, I've got to start. I've got to start there. This is my starting point. I begin to pray in the Spirit. So I begin to pray in the Spirit. It begins to disappear. 
And then before I get a word, the Lord puts in me a certain feeling, a certain feeling of hope. And when I go to the word and God gives me a word, that word matches with the feeling of hope I have. I believe that God wants to raise us up as a church who have this down. Yeah? You have it down. You have it. You have this. You're a gunslinger. Every time you see the devil, just pull it out. You know? Every day, you pull it out. Every day, you pull it out. I'm not for guns, by the way. Every day, you see the devil. You feel him. Okay, there you are. There it is. Does that make sense? So that is, some, that is also an ingredient. We, we do this every day. We do this every day. And we, we don't um, leave it. I'm going to actually talk about, very quickly, two more things. And I'm, I'm, I realize that I'm taking up the time of the next, next session. But uh, I'm going to take about 10 minutes of the next session. <laughs> and I hope it's going to be okay. Teruak, intercession, okay? Daily, something that we do long-term until it's established in, in us. Because if we just do this in the last minute, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. There are certain things that require, require more. The next thing is witness in the land. Witness in the land. And what I want to say is, is these things flow into witness in the land. Now, we are called to be witnesses in the land as best as we can as human beings. We are called to be that. But I have found in my own life, and we are beginning to see more of it in BCF, that when God puts you in a spot of land, a spot of, of space in the world, whether it's a network of relationships or, or, or work or business or whatever it is, a place in which you are in the domain of the world, that principle can be taken into the world as well because what God wants to do is to put you and I in the place where there are a lot of people who are not saved. Sometimes those places are our very own home itself with our own children, with our own um, family members. But we have found that through intercession, when we pray for the land that God has given to us, you know what I mean by the land, right? The the workplace or the, the network of relationships that we have with those in the, in the world, to begin to pray in the Spirit, God begins to set up a campaign to defeat the enemy and to bring people to himself. But there are demonic powers that are holding them, spirits of unbelief, the spirits of sickness, people, spirits of the world, people of atheism, all these kinds of spirits that, 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 that cause people to resist God that are there. They can only be defeated, not by our, any, any power of our, our own, but by demonic, by, by spiritual warfare. Okay? These, are, these are spiritual powers. I found that from the time that I went to college to just each of the six churches that I was involved in church planting, the Lord would send me to a place and we would start with nothing, right? We'd start with nothing. The only resistance in that place. I just sit in my room and I just pray, just pray in the spirit, just praying. Because the moment I'm there, I would feel the heaviness, I'd feel the oppression, I feel the hopelessness, I feel it all there. That's what we call locating the enemy. You can feel it. 
Okay, so yeah, many of us are in situations like that. And when we when we when we are in there, what God wants to do is to set up a bridgehead in the in the in the land. Yeah. He wants to set up a bridgehead by prayer. And what happens that when we do we we are starting to we do that, we are starting to clear the atmosphere. And as the atmosphere clears, you will begin to find surprisingly, people start coming to you and saying, I want to know about God. I noticed something about you. I noticed something. I've tried it for my children. I've tried it for myself. I've, I've seen it happen for the past few years. Uh, and now I'm seeing it in the lives of my, my, my children as well. I, ch- I just tell them, you start interceding and praying. And, and they have found a suddenly what we call a turning of the tide. The tide, it's turning the other way. And now, if you know the Torah, you know the intercession, you can feel the turning of the tide. Does that make sense? And you don't have to go for people. You don't have to necessarily charge. They will come to you because the atmosphere has been broken. You don't need to be an evangelist. You just be, just sit tight and just pray. And I found these things start happening. The thing about it is this. When you're doing this, you will locate the enemy. You'll feel the resistance. I think all of us are in situations where we experience that. But in these situations, God will show it. Okay? Amen? I want to ask you to try this out. Okay, try it out. We don't really experience this as a distinctive in VCF yet, but I feel that this is where it's going. And so I want to put it to you. Amen? There is much generation loss. And the last point I want to make is, is about families and about spiritual children. You may be single or you may be married with children or all that. It doesn't matter. God wants us to have spiritual children. And our, and our physical children can be spiritual. I have found that a lot of times, good Christian parents experience what I call generation loss in their spiritual life when their children take up the baton or become Christians because their children fall away from God very easily. Many Christian leaders have done that. I believe that God never intended that. I don't believe that God intended that. God plants a seed in us, but that seed needs to mature. It needs to mature to such an extent it's not a seed that can be kicked off. right? Most Christians live their lives in the realm of their feelings, in the realm of the first Adam and in the realm of their thoughts. For it to become something that is solid, that has no generation loss, it has to move from a seed to being a plant. You know, Bible says the kingdom of God is like this first the, first the blade, then the stem. Right? Yeah? You've got to move it from just being a seed, develop it, and that's why I say it has to be something that's long-term. That's something that we are, we are planting, we are tending every day for the rest of our life. Amen? When that happens, we can pass it on to the, our children. And the children will come, because, will, will, will know it because they can't avoid it, right? Because it is so real. It is so real. It's not just in the realm of the thought. It's not some profound thought. It is just, they can feel it. They can smell it. They can just, they come around you and they're just like, ah, oh. they don't necessarily like it, but they will always know that it's real. 
my, my, one of my, my first daughter, when she went to, 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 to Hopkins, and there was so much atheism, she says, one thing I couldn't do, I could not deny God. I just could not deny God. I was shaken many times, but I could not deny God because it was so real. It had to be, I had to become irrational in order for me to deny His existence. So I feel that this is something that we don't want to just have in our head, but it but becomes part of our flesh and blood in our lives. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. That you are blessing your church with your supernaturals. You're planting seeds in us. And so we come before you and we ask you that even now, as you build us together, and as we go to our groups, you will continue to speak to us and uh, breathe your life into all our actions and our activities. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.